Howard Lindzen is the founder and general partner at Social Leverage. All opinions expressed by Howard and podcast guests are solely their own opinions and do not reflect the opinion of Social Leverage or StockTwits. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for decisions. Guests may maintain positions and securities discussed in this podcast. (laughs) We're back. Panic with friends. Exactly. Nobody, nobody I'd rather be with panicking with the Canute. We caused our share of panic. Likewise. You, the ladies were panicked over Canute in college. Six foot six. That was back in the day. Yeah. Nah, that's not turned out well for either one of us. <laughs> <laughs> Except you have great hair, my let's man. Let's not go there, shall we? <laughs> the, uh, well, let's, we're going to dial Mark Mullen. I'm not, we're going to get right into it. We're going to get, it was a nasty day, March 10th or 11th. Right. I don't know what it is. Dow's close to, Dow's breaking a thousand, I think. Well, I don't know. I'll call it right now. As, as usual, Canute doesn't carry his oil money. Hello? Mark Mullen! What's up, my man? <laughs> you are live. So watch your mouth. It is, uh... We're not live, but we're taping. But we're, we don't like, we don't like screw-ups. Yes, I understand. It is a pleasure to hear your voice considering the last six months you've had prior even to the corona. Oh my goodness, but enough about me. The uh, <laughs> It feels, Mark, like I can't wait to golf with you one of these days because I've turned this whole story into a, it's just so funny. Like the amount of atrocities that were ravaged on my gut, is you can only laugh about it now. You must be a stealth individual. I'm rather stealth. But at the same time, I'm soft. It's kind of gross to be 190 and soft to go to 170 and softer. <laughs> <laughs> it's just everything's moved to a new lower level on my body. It's like my feet are these swollen 12-pound clumps. Oh. Oh. Okay. You see, you have enough? See, you've had enough. So my pal, Knut, uh, is uh, producing on the line. He's making this all happen. So, Hey, Mark, how you doing? I love Canute. I love his Norway stories and uh, his stra- his strap international perspective. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> everybody, uh, Mark Mullen and I go way back. Mark is a venture capitalist. Uh, I think he's white. Um, he's in LA. Golf's he's white, and it's not his fault. It's mine. The uh, that's why I have white friends. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, who else are you going to panic with? Start with white with, friends. Yeah, with a, I'm start starting out being PC right away. A PC, yeah. my ass. It's a, exactly. it's a podcast. No one's exactly. listening. So Mark and I, I don't know. We've known each other a while. Probably at one, I think, Felser's Vegas party. We knew each other and uh, became friends at uh, CES. So Mark, can you tell everybody a little bit about your background? Take as long as you want. No worries. Oh, the problem with uh, getting uh, more experience means you're older and the longer it is to tell the story. So I've been working on telling a shorter story. So tell, um, your, tell your short story. It's okay. We can edit it. We'll tell yeah, you when we're I, bored. We will interrupt when we think our audience is bored. Wait for the snooze. Um, uh, I actually, lucky enough to grow up in Boulder, Colorado. Um, Ooh, right my father was an entrepreneur in the ski business, and uh, that's what got us there. And um, that was kind of a nice place to grow up, as you can imagine. Mm-hmm. Went to college um, and then came back to Denver briefly. Uh, worked for a couple of years in Denver. Then I moved to San Francisco. Uh, worked in San Francisco. And I went to graduate school at Thunderbird, um, 
the same school you went to, which is uh, actually quite interesting today, and it plays into maybe some of our conversation later, just the uniqueness of the co- or the, the fellow students that we had there. Yeah. Um, the perspective we got by being around, you know, seven out of ten of the students being not from the United States. And before the Asia, like I was there when it wasn't also not to knock Asians because I love their food, but... Uh, <laughs> What am I up to? This I is don't terrible know. behavior. But, uh, <laughs> it wasn't. It was Europeans. It was like so different. It wasn't like Chinese. And uh, I'm not knocking anything. It's just when we went, it was more like super European versus super Eastern yeah. Asian. And you know, the biggest uh, the biggest group was from uh, from the Netherlands. So it was a very fun place to be. It's the funnest um, people, right? The, the, the Netherlands and Norway are the ends. <laughs> Netherlands, but, Norway, uh, New York. We get you in so trouble. Then I, yeah. then I went to work for um, a, a famous entrepreneur. Um, his name is Bill Daniels, and he was known as the father of cable television in the United States. He yep. was also the richest guy in Colorado, so I knew of him. And somebody gave me a chance to meet him, which was pretty rare and lucky. And I convinced him to hire me without any skill. Um, but he hired me to run and build his international investment banking and um, merchant banking stuff uh, in cable TV, wireless, telecom, ISPs, hosting companies, data centers, all that. Type this of was in the 80s or 90s? This is in the, uh, from 1993 to 2010. Wow, what a run. Uh, and so I got to uh, move to Paris and I lived in Paris and I moved to London and uh, ultimately met my wife in London who happened to be from LA. Uh, we eventually moved um, oh. back to Denver for a few years and then moved to New York City uh, we were there for, you know, 2001 um, to 2006, and then eventually with children moved um, to Los Angeles, where my wife is from. Uh, we sold the firm in 2007 to RBC Capital Markets, so uh, yep. we we honestly didn't know the world was about to crash, but we, um, we timed, it, timed it pretty well. I took a year and a half off and worked for the government, uh, the city of L.A. They made up a title for me, which was chief operating officer, and that's a longer story. Uh, and I then I, came, I didn't know that one. That's cool. Okay. And I came out um, and really had an appreciation now and understanding what Southern California was about and how big and massive it was and how much was happening here and how little, how how there was hardly any real capital here. Tons of private equity and money management capital, but very little venture capital. And um, you know, in a, in a in a region of 40 million people with very little venture capital, it seemed to be a pretty cool opportunity for me. Yep. I had been an angel investor for many years, and I had also been investing in private equity and venture capital funds myself, so I certainly understood and knew the business and how they played it. And many private equity companies, you know, Carlisle, TPG, others were clients of ours and mine in, in Europe. So I said, well, look, there's, um, there's a real hole here for early stage capital. I'm going to focus on B2B because there's plenty of of content and consumer opportunities here. I'm going to differentiate and focus on B2B. And so raised our first fund in 2012, and we are just about to close our fifth fund. So it's been quite a wild ride here uh, as all of the United States and I guess the world has grown dramatically, not only with an economy, but but through venture. Uh, the venture ecosystem has grown dramatically, as you know. Uh, and so that's been a, been a kind of a lucky timing, but that has gone well. So that's what I'm doing now. Yeah, that is phenomenal. And this, so congrats, first of all, Canute, huh? No kidding. Better than you. A lot better than me. Jesus. <laughs> this is the problem of having oil money. You guys just aren't motivated enough. 
Absolutely. Paper clip is not enough. So, they are now. They are, they are now. now. The, uh, oh, good point. Good yeah. point. $30 oil. We're getting even. The, yeah. uh, so this series I wanted to do about panic, because you've been around. I fucking, the, the, some of the funniest stuff goes on in this stupid group chat that I feel responsible for helping organize, but I'm so jealous that I'm not part of, is Mark... Uh, you have a, a text group. I, some of the numbers aren't even, I don't even know the people, but it's like eight of us. It's you, me, Fred Wilson, Greg Bettinelli, Pat Keene, D- David, uh, whatever, Korea. Hey. He's <laughs> fucking hysterical, man. That guy just makes me laugh. And who else is on that? Scott from Facebook? I think, uh, I think is Marlett on that? Yeah, Scott Marlett. And you. And, you know, you, you bring up uh, timely comments. I feel so guilty because I'm not part of this great group that gets to golf all the time, but yet I feel like I introduced some of you. So it's like you've kept me on this this thing. I'm always out of context because I don't hang with you guys, but it's nice. It's one of my favorite group chats because it's been like two years. Uh, yeah, at least. At least. Maybe we added you two years ago. Yeah. Um, so, so it's been fun. It's a, it's, a, it's a kind of a market check. Obviously, you know, we're, we're not all making fun during that text chain. It's talking no. about the market. And so it's been fun. Yeah, so so let's talk a little because for our audience, you know, I want to do a series about panic. You've you've uh, had your own share, I'm sure, both as an operator working for Bill, or maybe guys like that don't panic, or maybe you don't panic. But for for our audience that loves, you know, maybe seeing their first panic, uh, at least the millennial or Gen Z audience that have been buying one share or fractional shares or being told to invest their whole lives and now see stocks down, you know, 40%, uh, already 30% on the index or 20 some percent on the indexes. Some, do you remember the first time you panicked or like learned on the job or, or, you know? Yeah. I mean, uh, it was 1987. So I came out of college in 86, started my first job in commercial banking, uh, lending, uh-huh. uh, to companies and, um, you know, interest rates were pretty high. And we had the first real stock market crash in 1987, which sure. most people don't know about, um, you know, that are under It was 40. your first job. That was my first job. And I, I was first working. Job, in my I business. made $19,200 a year. And I was able to save money from that and invest it wow. in the stock. Wow. So I, and uh, like, I remember this Colorado Steel Company and a couple other things. And um, the market crashed. Uh, that was way before even Schwab. I think it was Schwab had started, but... Uh, you know, there was, it was inability to trade quickly. Uh-huh. Certainly commissions were way higher. You had to call somebody and say, get me out of that stock immediately. And you were yeah. lucky if you could. Right. And so I just watched my probably $2,000 stock portfolio go down to $1,000 and I promptly sold it. Yeah. So uh, you sold at the bottom probably, but still a good sell. Yeah. Complete pitulation and complete, uh, Complete panic at that time when you're 23 making $19,000 a year. Isn't it funny because we make fun of these kids, but it's happened to all of us. It's an initiation. It's a rite of passage. Uh, And probably felt worse back then because you didn't even have like a social network. Like you just just felt ripped off. And that was it. That was my savings. Yeah. So, I mean, in fairness, I was taking care of myself and myself only. So it was okay. And I had a job. But, um, you know, that took me... Eventually, I moved to San Francisco, and I was in private equity. Um, so the job went away, I assume. No, no, it's a big bank and oh. the big Colorado National Bank, and um, you know, I, I just wanted to get out. Like I, I'd, I'd been to, you know, I wanted to do something different. Yep. And so I felt like going to San Francisco 
was the right time to do it. And it was, by the way, 1988. And I got a job in private equity there. And that was fantastic. Like, you know, being that age, I had two suits that I bought at Brooks Brothers and I interchanged them each day with a different tire shirt all week long. And uh, I went out there with a couple buddies that I grew up with and we rented an apartment. It was a fantastic time. But, you know, that was, um, I, I was laughing with you guys the other day. I learned a lot. One particular day, we went down to this bar called Tadich's, which is still there, the Tadich Grill. This is great. A famous old school place. Yep. And I was with my buddy, and, you know, like I said, we we're 24 years old. Now we're making, like, you know, $60,000, and we thought we were the, 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 the guys. Like, yeah, we're big. You were the we're guy. In, we're in San Francisco. We're doing it. And we were at this bar, and um, we ended up, I don't know why we talked to this guy, but he starts talking to us, and he probably was 35, 40. And he says, um, he overheard us talking about us buying sugar futures. That's how crazy we were. So we were, one of the guys I grew up with, we started an account together at, at Schwab. Wow. And we were buying options on sugar futures because we didn't know what we were doing. It of just course. sounded like something you should do. Yeah. And it was one of those years that the sugar crops went down uh-huh. and our sugar futures went way up. So we okay. invested like five grand. It was worth like 18 uh-huh. And I guarantee by about three months later, it was worth zero. You had crypto right? fever, like, though, for a minute. Like 2000 bucks, And yeah. we were kind of like, oh, God, I can't believe we've done this. Sugar futures. And the guy turns to us. He's like, sugar futures? Like, you guys are idiots. <laughs> and he starts talking, and we're laughing. And he said, he goes, you know, you're really nobody until you've got some jack. And we're like, what do you mean, jack? And he's like, jack, man. T-bills, bonds, munis. When you own some jack, that's when you got some money and you start talking. And that. to be honest, we actually went, okay, you seem to be a guy who knows what you're talking about. And ever since then, I've always owned uh, munis and T-bills. And, um, and what have lot. you learned about owning them? Times. That's awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. This, that's, it, I mean, was more about, it was more about, okay, what's the definition of, of, of having uh, uh, capital and uh-huh. wealth? It wasn't owning sugar futures. Mm-hmm. It was owning something that was liquid and something that you could actually – transacting in value. Yeah. So I kind of learned that lesson early. Um, you know, and then I, I uh, went to Thunderbird in 1991, 1992. So we were there like, like literally, maybe I was there a little earlier. So you must have gone well, after me. I think you, you I graduated the fall of 91, weren't you? The outbreak of CNN, the war, uh, when the missiles, when CNN was telegraph was. Yeah, I started September 91. So you were after me. No, I graduated. I graduated. Sure. I probably graduated in 90. When did the when did the Iraq War start? I don't know. I graduated from uh, the MBA in '91, and I think you had another semester at Thunderbird after we that. Might have, we might have been at school together, but you, you were a banker yeah. dude. And I was totally not a banker dude. We probably weren't friends. I was Euro trash. I probably thought you were a Euro trash. Yeah. We're, gonna, we're gonna have to check like that. Out. <laughs> I became Euro trash the longer I hung out with the Europeans. But I went to I went to the school in Paris, so that was fantastic. Oh. I didn't, and then yeah. I got this job that allowed me to travel internationally, which was which was fantastic. And so I moved over to Europe, uh, and then came back, and then had a hell of a ride with everybody else, you know, from basically 1996 uh, to 2001, and that was a very unique period. Um, and again, here's a an opportunity that presents itself as a market crash, and um, I whatever stocks I owned, I probably sold most of them, and sure. I panicked. So what um, year was this now? Ninety. This is this is 01, right? 01. So, so you pan- so you actually panicked in 01 yourself? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I would if I learned anything when I panicked in the eighty seven, I sold everything. Uh-huh. And this time, this time I sold like 
two thirds of what I owned. Got it. And um, so I'm starting to learn a little bit more, and I'm putting money more. It's not more easy. Money, good, good. I appreciate it. Money Yeah. Plus, as that banker at the time, like it was just straight up, right? Yeah. Um, and and you didn't think you thought you were invincible. I didn't have kids. I had just gotten married in 1999, so we thought we were invincible, and just didn't think a market crash could happen like that. And we watched it happen. Then we were in New York for 9/11, so we saw that happen. Um, but you know, the next the next um, six years were unbelievable again yeah. and should have been was highlighted as a buying opportunity. Just like 1988 was a buying opportunity, just like 2001, two was a buying opportunity in 2008, nine. We now know that in hindsight, yeah. but um, you know, I own sun and Oracle and Apple and all these companies that I sold because I was like, man, world's going to crash. We've got to get out of this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So then you go through Oh seven, we sold the firm. Um, we sold the firm for cash and stock. Stock and RBC has been fantastic. That's a fantastically run bank, as you yep. know. It's very yep. conservative. They were not hurt by the mortgage crisis. Yep. And so um, we, you know, and they weren't. We weren't allowed to invest in stock market unless we got approval. Uh, and so, it's a hassle. I just put it all into munis wow. in California. And uh-huh. if you remember that um, that banker uh, Meredith Whitney. Uh-huh who was saying the world's going to crash, uh, muni bonds are going down, um, all the governments are going to uh, default on their, their, their bonds. And coupled with 08, all those bonds did go down. They were trading yeah. like eight. And many eight. of the couples went under, you know, a couple minutes, but those are still buys. I've learned about the muni market yeah, since then. Yeah. Out of thousands. And so I doubled down in my munis. So I was buying, you know, uh, munis for 83, 84 cents. And that are... Um, you know, we're paying five and a quarters. Wow. And so we still triple have Triple tax else. or two, two times tax rate? Triple tax? Non-taxable. No, the munis. Yeah. So, um, and so that was part of the lesson that, you know, in hindsight, those were some of the lessons I was learning, which is have a little bit more in a more liquid cash asset and have cash on the sidelines for buying stocks yeah. or buying something. Yeah. And, um, and so that took us, you know, into 08, 09. And then, as I mentioned, you know, I, I took a year and a half off and then started the venture capital fund. And so uh, here we are in another crash. Um, and it's interesting. Do you think it, it's a crash, right? I mean, if you just add the percentages up. It's, yeah. it's, and I'm, I'm an optimist, so I'm trying to be very careful, you know, on how I react to things here. And I've got a family and other friends, and we've got a bunch of portfolio companies and founders who may, may or may not have gone through these changes. So, you know, I am optimistic, but I don't know anything about the timing. I think a lot of us, and I can admit it, um, I sold uh, 25% of my portfolio back in about three or four weeks ago simply on purpose to have cash to buy back in. Mm-hmm. I wasn't sitting there saying, wow, the, the market's going to crash. I got to get out. Mm-hmm. Because I got to get some more money so that I can have, you know, we can have opportunity to buy things. Yep. And so I think a lot of people have been sitting on the sidelines like that. And that's why the market's going up a thousand and down a thousand because the market goes down. People think there's buying opportunities. Yeah. It may be time to start to think about a little bit more longer term here. I mean, like I said, my kids' schools just closed today. Uh, that seems to be the case going around several parts in the country. And if you play it out, um, it really should be kind of a sideways market for, for a little bit. But yeah. I'm not a, not a market sayer. So. No, I know you're not a market sayer. So I don't want any opinions there. But it's just I wanted people to get, you know, everybody's kind of connected to the market. So I don't want to just talk to stock people. It's boring. Uh, 
and I'm not looking for opinions, but now you're dealing with the panic in a different way of life, which is kids, school, L.A., it's a big city. Yeah. Uh, if L.A. schools are shutting down, you, I mean, it, it is a little late. I, you would think L.A. would move a lot quicker you know, than other places, New York and L.A., and they haven't. So it's really weird to see this delayed. You knew the dominoes were going to fall, and it's like, I wonder why it took so long. Yeah, I mean, it's just, in history will show again and again, we didn't move fast enough in the 01 crisis, we didn't move fast enough in the, you know, 87 crisis, so it's just not human nature. There are people that have, who are much more, uh, make, you know, make these decisions much more quickly and say, I'm out, this is crazy. Yeah. Um, and maybe that suits them. I can tell you how many stocks I've sold over the years that I should never have sold, right? I bought, I bought if you bought, if you bought like NVIDIA, at 60 and it went to 120, I thought I was the king. I'm yeah. out. Yeah. And 20, that'll sell. What's it at now? 275. So there's plenty of those. Yeah. In some ways, if I had never sold a stock ever, I'd be way, way further ahead. Yeah, so I, th- I agree. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, no one's mastered. You can't master yeah. it. You can't master it. You can master your emotions. And so now dealing with, um, so what is the scene like in LA? Is it quieted down? Like, Like, is the virus... It's quiet. I mean, just in general, it's quiet, and but not shut down. I mean, uh, I went to a workout class this morning that was full, a uh-huh. uh, little light but full, and then uh, I had lunch yesterday in a restaurant that was full, and it's kind of like this gallows humor. You're like, oh, I guess there's no corona in this restaurant. And I think that humor is going to start to play, fall away a little bit. Um, and I think, I think with the schools closing um, – you know, parents are going to have to be home or, or focused on that a little bit. Right, because it doesn't mean play dates and going out partying. Yeah. It's like you got to be home. It's going to be much yep. quieter. Yeah. One of the sad parts about this whole process of closing schools, you know, it's identifying there's probably probably students that don't have broadband access. And there's also quite a few students, and the guy who runs LASD is a good friend of mine. Um, you know, there are tens of thousands of students that rely on the meals at school. Wow. And that's not just in LA, that's across the country. So, you know, it's going to be, um, it could, it could be, it could be difficult for quite a few people. And but so, let's have- yeah. So people, everybody's going to have to just chip in here. Maybe long-term good. I, I have no idea what's going to, what's going to happen. You can feel the panic, you know, it's so, yeah. it's so obvious in hindsight. Oh, I mean, Jesus yeah, Christ, they shut down obvious. a 10-million person city, sell your stocks, and, you know, uh, it seems and so it, obvious it, now. To make fun of us, you know, there's majority of the population doesn't give a damn about the stock market right now. Right. Absolutely. Just, uh, so. And people need, and your family, everybody needs to understand that, like, going to raise money now, you understand that people aren't going to return calls. No one has, they're, in, 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 when everybody looks inwardly, at their own portfolio and family. No, you know, the stuff yeah. that we do becomes silly. Yeah. Well, and I think, um, uh, we talked as a, as a partnership on, on how to react and how to provide information to you know, our portfolio companies, et cetera. And there's a lot of information out there, as you know, I mean, by, if, if you're not in the business, how did you not read the Sequoia letter? Right? Right, right. Um, and there's plenty of, you know, there's real information from CDC and travel alerts. And I'm not going to say from the orange man, but, Yep. There's real information coming from people. And, um, and so that's all out there. We're not going to make, a, you know, we're, we're not medical experts. We're not going to make an opinion on there, yep. but we can, you know, we can be helpful in suggesting 
certain things to be aware of and take care of. Obviously, cash is a big thing. But uh, it, I have actually, and we've all called and talked to every one of our founders and CEOs and management teams and had the real, you know, one-on-one conversation to answer questions and talk about it. There's certainly people that have been through these things and they can make their own decisions, but I think it's been, it's been therapeutic and, and helpful for, to, to kind of talk through how they're feeling um, and what they're going to go through or what they're going through now and just trying to, to um, manage through it, I suppose. The way I've been using, the, the analogy I've been using, it's, it's literally a deer in the headlight kind of mentality right now for everybody here. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, I go to the gym, but that may be the last day I'm going to the gym for a little bit. I don't know. No, um, I mean, and same and with the, the crowded restaurant. Day. Like maybe it's time that we yeah. just stop going out for a couple of weeks and just letting the experts kind of figure out the math on some yep. of this stuff. So a lot of us got it wrong. Um, you can't cry about it, but now it's about positioning, you know, panic and opportunity. So if, if it, assuming the panic passes, uh, you know, and, and, and things, trends will change because of this, and you've been through this five or six times, uh, where is your firm thinking the, is it mostly LA you invest? Is it only LA? I can't remember. No, we do about 60% in Southern California. The rest are outside. Yeah. So obviously just by living in LA, you're bullish. I I'm such a fan of LA. Uh, maybe it's the meat, maybe it's the old fake entertainment Howard or, you know, you know, the Larry David Howard that, you know, fancies being him. Uh, what do you love about LA? Well, I have this kind of silly conclusion, assumption over time that, you know, California in general has been always the, the place where people were heading back in the 30s, you know, go west, go west, go west. And I think the mentality has stuck with that, which is when they got here, there was nothing here. So everything that's been created was created by an entrepreneur, right? Mm-hmm. Everything that's created in California was created by an entrepreneur. Same in every state over time every business. But I think there's a mentality here. It's kind of a can do mentality. Um, it is a nice place to live. Uh, there is so much diversity here and the three of us understand what that means and having different opinions from different countries, from different people that grew up differently, uh, the way they interact with each other. You know, I feel very, very fortunate to have done work in 30 countries and met all those men, all these different types of people and the way they look at things. And so I think that's, um, because Southern California is so diverse uh, that that plays into this whole game of how much growth is going to happen here and how much has happened here. Yeah. Uh, You know, as far as the venture community, you know, or us, we have the benefit of being early stage investors. And what that means is that, you know, we're not, our investments take a while. They take a while to bake. Right. And so, so we have a long-term investment philosophy so yes, we kind of expect that we're going to have hiccups or crashes or coronavirus um, or something like that that will affect. It, it, even all of us have to admit over the last 10 years, as the market kept going up and up, we were getting nervous. There's yeah, no we way were, I We had I fake periods of, I remember Mark Sussman, we were fake periods, fake periods of nervousness where we were just making, we were just trying to be cool by saying this is going to end. And, yeah. and then it didn't. So we were embarrassed the next to call top the next time, you know? Yes. And, um, um, but we knew exactly. it. You just, we were just on borrowed tiles, like, uh, the wily coyote over the cliff spinning his legs. Like we knew it. There's so much weird behavior and so much boom. 
um, we were due. Well, and if anything, we've learned, and if we went to school, we learned about um, cycles, right? Mm-hmm. And cycles happen, and they will happen. It's just people are saying, including myself, like, how big is this next cycle going to be? Correct. Downward, and when is it going to happen? And um, with the full expectation, it's going to happen. And so, you know, we're, we're going to see. Uh, I don't know if that's going to affect valuations, um, but since we're in the stage, valuations have a have a smaller delta anyway, yeah. but um, we're longer term investors. So we're still cranking through deals here. We're, we're obviously spending a lot of time with our existing portfolio, um, but we have a full deal plate and we'll see how those play out. And so fund LA, five, fund five, still enterprise. All enterprise. It's all B2B. So it yeah. doesn't have to be enterprise. It's um, it's really software. And, and, and software. LA has some great B2B companies. What's that? LA has some great B2B companies. So there's a oh, lot yeah. of there's service a big, type, yeah. trade desk and Blackline software and uh, Cornerstone on demand. And we've got more and more. We have a list of, you know, massive financings and companies here that were just not here six years ago. You know, yeah. the entertainment conversation, while still a powerful industry, is just diversified with more industries, you know, like venture and other, you know, technology startups. And I think only in LA. I can say this golf and venture is cool only in LA venture capitalists don't play golf. They, I don't know. They think they're more important. Probably, than, and we know quite a few New Yorkers that probably play. Okay. But, New uh, York and LA, but like, it's so Memphis, cool. So they got them too. They got them too. But yes, LA uh, golf. If we there could is just, a, it is a good group of people here and it is really, uh, uh, um, it's, it's part of the rubric here. That's uh, collaborative. You know, we're much more collaborative as, as venture partners here. Um, yep. and for, I can't um, believe the quality of golf. So if you take you Bell- don't really want off during this panic conversation, do we? No, but it really is amazing that Bel Air, Riviera, and LA Country Club, I mean, three of the best country places in the world are like stone's throw from each other relatively. And uh, the switch over to like newer money or venture capital at a time when LA is booming and yet golf is still cool in LA. And it's just, and, and golf is a great place to think and, and, you know, getting on the golf course and chatting and being collaborative is still an amazing thing. So it's nice to see a group of people still do that because it's still a very collaborative, fun game. Yeah. And as far as LA, I think as I get back to my diversity point, you know, we've had major uh, increases in number of employees uh, working for the Googles and Facebooks and, um, Major uh, major companies we know all know of who've, who've expanded massively down here, and I think there's because there's a there's a great diverse workforce down here, yeah. and I think that's a unique angle as this world, as we're finding out right now, emphatically, is completely connected, right? And this whole inter- internationalization of of the world economy, you know, is playing out here in LA. But how do we deal that? But LA is also the center of what I can't figure out is like, how do you get somewhere? So as much as like Google and all these big companies need to be there, how do people get, you know, well, maybe work for home just solves that and even becomes better. But it seems like that's still the problem in LA. Well, you've been around, you know, there's massive traffic traffic in Boston and San Francisco. You don't, you know, you don't, you don't go from San Francisco to Menlo Park in just a few minutes and have a meeting and then drive back to San Francisco. So everybody's got that problem. Yeah, good point. You time yourself and you learn to deal around it. Um, 
and Zoom has been a great stock, right? Yeah. Uh, um, it, it'll be interesting to see how we play this out if if we indeed start to have a, a slowdown, which we are with the major firms, you know, telling their employees to work home. It'll be interesting to see when it shakes out what types of habits we keep. Yeah. Well, I'm um, super bullish that this is a habit I want to keep. I mean, I think travel is important to be a great investor and a great, you know, feet on the ground and your eyes and ears. But like, we're also 50 and have taken a lot of risk and there's plenty of work to do off the network we've already built. So I'm kind of finally have a reason and a product good enough to say, I've paid my dues. I know if you need me, you know, but I'm going to do less travel. Now I'm looking forward to, to this excuse. Maybe other people aren't. Maybe that's the opportunity is like, I think now there's a choice to say, Hey guys, I'm not a germaphobe, but I'm zooming this call. Like, you know, and maybe there's a two year window where we just get allowed to zoom stuff unless it's an emergency. So I'm kind of excited about that. Is that how you feel about it or no, you got to just travel. Yeah, I mean, first, personally, um, one of the reasons I focused on Southern California is because I lived here and I didn't really want to travel. Good as point. I mentioned, yep. you know, traveling for 18 years in the, in the job as an investment banker was fantastic, but the time had come. Right. And, uh, um, you know, getting on a plane and flying to Paris one day and flying back the next is not a sustainable lifestyle. And so um, I lucked out from the perspective that there was so much opportunity here that I really focused on Southern California. My first two funds were 95% Southern right. California. Right, that's what I remember because we did a couple Because I didn't want to travel. I thought it was just LA. opportunity here. Now, we, we do travel a little bit now in diversification, and we have so many friends and network uh, networks so broad that we have opportunities in some other markets. But we're not, you know, I'm not flying to markets looking for deals um, that we don't feel that we have a unique relationship uh, in or that we have a unique um, opportunity with the founder we may know. Um, so I think that uh, Zoom has helped close the gap quite a bit, or let's call it video conferencing. And there's nothing that can replace that looking, you know, the founder in the eye and trying to decide what kind of person she is and asking some questions that are a little bit, um, more probing than you can on a Zoom. Um, and so that's not going to be replaced, but certainly, you know, certainly many other meetings are being replaced. And Yeah, well said. How many, what, what's the old, What's the age uh, top to bottom on the kids? Uh, I have a 13-year-old son and a 16-year-old daughter. So still very young. So not into, they don't care what's going on. I mean, obviously they're probably thrilled that's going Are they nervous? Um. Well, they're, they're a little bit sarcastic, um, nervous, probably a little bit, but, but, you know, we're, we're probably following my lead and my, my wife's lead a little bit. We're, you know, we're trying, we're just, we're just hunkering down, being protective and trying to, 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 I guess, emote that we're not panicking here and, you know, we're all together and that's the good thing. And so they're not panicking. There's probably some angst. Uh, that's not being discussed uh, with all kids in town. Um, you know, at first they were pretty excited because they're thinking, "Oh, I don't have to go to school." Well, guess what? You got to go to online classes, and you, and, oh, and you really can't. You really got to do go online. To they got to do online. Yeah. Okay. It's not, not closing school. We have spring break in two weeks. We're not going to go anywhere, so that's a bummer to them. So that's kind of the you know. Remember, kids are focused on themselves, understandably, and what's affecting their life at that moment. Right now, they're affecting. It's affecting their spring break. So 
Yes, uh, uh, my son wanted to go to San Diego today, Mark, and Mark has, ta- can you, Mark has taken my son golfing when he was a little kid when he was passionate but not good enough. And now, now I watch him play, Mark, and I, I know you see a lot of good golfers. It's just when I watch my son play, like I'm so grateful to my friends that kind of took Max. Mark was one of the guys that took Max to bet. Max nice. is a kind of a spoiled golfer because he got to play at Riviera and Bel Air with guys like Mark and Fred. But you know what? You know, I, I sometimes I worry that we spoiled him, but like, he fucking loves he loves the game, right? And he's just, I'm I, to have denied him those chances would have been stupid. Maybe he's a little golf spoiled, but he just loves the game. So to see like my son, like I, I watch Riviera on TV for thirty, forty years, right? Just mm-hmm. before I got to play it. You know, and and so there's that side of me that says that lucky prick, but he's really grateful. I still haven't played it. Well, yeah, you're not going to play it. Mark's not taking you. The uh, (laughs) (laughs) so it is. The thing to think about is that um, you know we just went through and talked about stock market panics that we've been through and crashes. I can tell you that I was never my school never closed. I don't think mine did other than maybe snow for a day in Toronto. Yeah, that's, that's, you're wishing for that. Yeah, you're wishing for that. They're going to learn a lot. This is going to be, this is going to be something they're going to talk about forever, right? Right, just a 9-11 in a different way. In the the 2020 uh, school closure coronavirus world. And so it's. it's Because this could be a month. This could be two months. Quite an experience for them. Yeah, good point. No, there's going to be some massive new offshoots. Fred was, you guys were talking about online education. I had Jeff Richards on. He was talking about, I mean, there's one synonymous thing that we've all, this group of people so far, I think your interview number five, Mark, is that uh, Zoom's come up in all these. So, you know, uh, old, young, uh, black, white, Chinese, Zoom is uh, a verb, and this solidified it. It's amazing that Google Hangouts, how do you value Google Hangouts within Google? in a zoom world, but it isn't, it isn't zoom. Uh, we talked about work from home. That's going to affect it. Online education. So these are the three trends, telemedicine, obviously. Is there anything that you see an opportunity in that maybe this tilts it more in favor of your worldview? Like, is there any worldview that you have that this either hurts or, or tilts in favor of before I let you go? Um, gosh, tough question, but just, just gonna have to edit this part just to close the gap of me thinking about it. But, um, yeah, it's a tough uh, question. I didn't prepare for this, but like, since we're talking about, we'll end on opportunity. You, you must have a worldview about, uh, some part of B2B or, or whatever, or not that, well, uh, this world. We, tips. Have, we have some, we have some interesting, you know, some of my companies are actually perhaps going to benefit from the situation. Um, we have a company called open path, which, uh, uh, you know, is, office building, door security, uh, using your phone, doesn't have to be on, doesn't have to be anywhere, you know, it doesn't have to be out of, in your hand even, and it opens the door and see, it lets you into your building. And so little things like that, um, you don't have to touch your door. You know, there's going to be a increased... A awareness. new marketing angle for a product that was already good. Well, think about the, the increased awareness we yeah. all have or are focused on in terms of how many doors you touch a day, how many elevators you walk in a day, you get into your car, um, you know, you point. go to a gas station. Uh, so I think what's going to come out of this is, you know, how many times we wash our hands a day now is probably more than ever. And there's probably going to be more awareness of, um, you know, how you kind of conduct your day and how you protect yourself. And so there's going to be businesses that are going to benefit from there it. There you go. Uh, 
not on purpose, not taking advantage of. Or good marketers taking other those yeah. ideas and saying, oh, there's a new feature of a product that already existed. That uh, so repackaging will happen too around old ideas that maybe like latex gloves, for example, or. Uh, I got to figure out if Manscaped can get on this clean thing. Manscaped, you Manscaped just to avoid uh, COVID. So, <laughs> is there other than Open Health? Is there one cool company that just stands? Out? I know you don't play favorites, but is there a, uh, another cool company besides Open Path that you that that's cool? I mean, we have we have some real winners in the portfolio. So, talk about one real winner. It's fun to talk about winners in a panic. Um. Uh, I tend to think about the, the portfolio in a chronological order of investment because that's the way I was you know, sure. in the companies. And um, one of our very first companies is a, a company called Branch, which was in L.A. and moved to Minneapolis. Hmm. And they started out with building a platform or a, a mobile platform that allowed you know, shift workers, hourly wage workers, to trade shifts. So you wake up in the morning, you're sick. So like my son who works at a restaurant, they could be using Branch probably? Not really for restaurants oh. as much as it is a little bit bigger um, enterprises. So look, imagine a Target. Okay. Target. Target has 150. Is Target in Minneapolis? That why they moved to Minneapolis, by the way. Yeah, that's how it started. So okay. imagine a Target store has about 150 employees, uh-huh. and they have um, uh, the the wow, employee, one Target store has 150 shifts. I think that's the average. Wow. Over you know not in the not in the store at any one given time, but they got a no. I get store. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So imagine. Uh, the, you're the manager of that store, an employee calls you one morning and says, I can't make my shift. What do you do? You look on this little piece of paper that's all torn and tattered in front of you that has 27 phone numbers on it. You start smiling and dialing trying to fill that shift. What if the, the person who can't make the shift just posts it on the, on the platform and extends an alert to the rest of the employees, and one of them just hits, hits the, hits the, hits the uh, bid and takes that shift? It's automatically tied back into the HR payment system for the company, and that the, it, think about how efficient this is for the manager and the, the team. Then, if you want to pick up shifts at other places, that's right? so the killer feature. Gonna, that's gonna, the gonna, killer feature. I've got Christmas coming up. I want to pick up five extra shifts, and you start oh, to take on the shifts. Okay. Now, what we've transformed it into is we're now issuing debit cards, and we're paying employees the day they work. So imagine you. Oh. To, uh, and can there be a reward program for helping out other people picking up their shifts and emergencies and stuff? Yes, loyalty. It's yeah. loyalty points that are. So imagine you um, you got <laughs> you have a date Friday night. You're mm-hmm. working on Friday. Mm-hmm. You don't have the money. You can get paid that day by us onto your debit card, which is paid for by the corporation. You know the employee. Oh man, that's the future. Um, so we are growing like crazy. That's like T bills of payroll. <laughs> so that's been great. Okay, um, good. But we, Pretty excited about a lot of stuff. America um, is great. We're going to get through this. The uh, LA is such an important. I mean, I am so bullish on LA. I mean, obviously, I, 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 sun. I'm attracted to the sun too. I just, I agree with you. Move west, uh, Southern Cal, Southern, uh, Southern uh, um, Arizona. Um, I think smart people move west. I mean, it's just inevitable. Like, we don't even know what it is, but, like, who wouldn't want to live in the sun? Yeah. Yeah. Other than Jerry but, Seinfeld. But, uh, but uh, and what about Larry David? Have you run into him golfing yet? I have not run into him golfing. I have seen him uh, at a couple different places. And, and, uh, but you don't know him. No, he's exactly what he looks like. He wears, the, you know, he's, 
he, he just got that walk, and uh, you just kind of—he's one of those people you laugh at when you see him, yeah. like Will Ferrell. Yeah, uh, Will Ferrell, exactly. Good point. Uh, Will's the friendliest. Martin, kind of those guys, and you start laughing before they said anything. Yeah, yeah. The uh, and then who's the most famous person you played golf with, besides me or Fred? Um, Steph Curry. Oh, right. You played with Bettinelli and Steph Curry, and is he as good as he's a, he's a nice guy? I saw the picture. He played nice in the guy. rain, and he played well, right? He's a he's a very nice guy. Uh, um, he had hot chocolate with my kids. Uh, they cool. were. This was four or five years ago. I remember the picture. Yep, yep, uh, he, yep. was, he was pouring rain, so no one was there. So it was kind of actually fun uh, yep. that no one was hugging him. Mm-hmm. But uh, super nice guy. Made me like the Golden State Warriors. But as it turned <laughs> out, I really don't like the Golden State Warriors. I just like him. Right. And um, and so that was fun. That was definitely and is he a good stick? He's a good stick, right? He's a great golfer. He's and a great athlete. He's just a great athlete. And and I think golf is more about athleticism than ever. I don't know why that is. It makes sense because of power, speed, club head speed. It's always made sense. So many football players and hockey players and basketball players play golf now. It's crazy. Because they can't really do anything that's going to hurt them. They're not right. supposed to. It's like they're going snowboarding. Right. Um, or playing, you know. But how can an NBA player? I mean, there is a disadvantage to be an NBA player and play golf. It's just they're just too big. Some of them are, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the the football players, the quarterbacks are pretty good, uh, yeah. as you can imagine. Yep. Um, but you know, Steph Curry is what six five, hundred and ninety pounds. He's only he's and not he's not that tall, is he? He's not that big. He may be six three. He is a. Um, so he's not a big person, and the, 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 the beauty and grace that you see with him on the basketball court is just how he is as, as, a, as an athlete in other sports. Ugh, it's just like, it's, it just looks different. Yeah. Effortless, I guess, is the, the word I'm looking for, even though it took him a lot of effort to be as good as he is. Well, we're long L.A., we're long uh, people like you, Mark. I appreciate you taking the time with the Stock Twits and uh, my, financial, yeah. my financial audience. I think people need to just remember these cycles i think the most important thing is because we're old you and i is that these we've made every fucking mistake that kids today (laughs) are making right we felt like such idiots and we didn't have anybody to talk to about it and uh we went the other way we had this wall street bets thing on reddit because twitter's done such a bad job of like embracing you know uh the communities, all these offshoot communities of up. The top was so obvious. You know, you have Virgin Galactic SPACs, and you and I have been through this thing. And <laughs> and the silliness that's been going on on the side of the markets have been crazy. You know, supply has been granted because demand was there from all the young kids and Robin Hoods of the world and the robo investments. But like, there is some silly shit going on, and uh, you know, we're paying the we're paying the piper for it now. Yeah, there always has been silly shit going on. It's not the fault of millennials. Yep. You know, 10 years ago was the fault of Gen Z, Gen, Gen X. We were the fault of that. It's always the same. Yep. It's just a cycle. It's just uh, a cycle. And people uh, need to uh, get some perspective on this. So I think we come out stronger from this. So I appreciate you taking the time, buddy. Get back with your family. And uh, hopefully we'll see you on the golf course soon. All right, Michelle. All right, see you, buddy. Thank you. Cheers. Thank you. Canute, what do you think, LA boy? Another great guy. Jesus, you, I know a lot of nice lot, guys. You have a lot of smart friends. They don't seem to invite me to the big things, though. 
No? I mean, did you notice you weren't added to that thing till about, you know? No, the funny thing is this text group, they're <laughs> yeah. always like teeing off and talking to each other and I'm yeah. getting my texts like, just firing off and I'm like, yeah. they're, do they're not doing it, to, they're doing it to communicate amongst themselves. I just happen to be the one guy not in their group anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and they're all like, I'm like, these guys, I thought they work hard. Too they're golfing. All right, we will be back tomorrow. We have like some big names coming on. Fred Wilson is coming on. Brad Feld is coming on. Nice. And uh, really one of my favorite entrepreneurs, uh, Russ Fraden, is coming on. So, Fantastic. Uh, uh, and then I got to get a couple of women. Do we know any women? Mm, All right, we're going to have to do some we'll work. We'll have to do some digging. We got to see if women panic like men. So that's my goal over the next 24 hours. All right, everybody, we will see you soon. Thanks for tuning in to Panic with Friends. I agree. Okay. Mm -hmm.